Welcome to the FTP Dynasty Podcast, where we talk about everything about the F the Process Dynasty League. Welcome back back to the pod, boys. It's been a while. Here we are. Season two underway, two weeks in. It is an exciting experience and uh, can't wait to dive into it. So we're going to do a little recap of the offseason shenanigans and then a couple re- a little recap of the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Then- I think uh, the best place to start off here is we have some new league members that have joined the uh, ranks here and it makes some sense with moves guys are making here. So first we want to welcome Cole Tierney to Skull Viking 69's team and makes a lot of sense that he's just acquiring draft capital, getting ready to hand that team off for the next generation. So congratulations to James on the on the new addition to his family. Same with Skeeter uh, welcoming uh, little aunt. Hopefully uh, he's a better fantasy mind than Skeeter is. So big uh, congratulations there to those guys. And now let's jump into the, the real deal of why we're here. News and notes. Welcome to the news and notes section, boys. So first up, want to go over a few. Well, the only real change is that fumbles that are not lost change from negative one point to zero points. Uh, the interceptions stayed at negative one point. We were one vote away from that passing, so it was almost changed to negative two points, uh, but that did not happen. I'm thinking it doesn't make sense personally to have intercept or interceptions minus one and fumbles minus two, so we might want to revisit that next year. But yeah, that'll be on the uh, on the board. We're either we're either going to change them to minus one across the board or minus two. So it'll be an and or or uh, one or the other vote come next off season. And then we did have a a little discussion on the Slack channel about open waivers on game days. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up because we have twenty five man rosters. So I don't know who you're trying to pick up and start Sunday or Monday. Um, I think you can plan ahead a little bit if that's really the case with the, the size of the rosters. But stays closed for now. Um, again, we can vote on that next off season. But if you are picking up a guy off the waivers and starting them, there's probably some pretty serious issues that you should consider with your team uh, before before making that happen. So next, we'll have a little draft recap. Who do you think had the best draft, Ben? Um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Skeeter. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the draft this year because uh, I didn't have any picks to really uh, attack with. That being said, um, I know James picked a lot. Looking at rosters here, I think Shades used his picks uh, fairly well, I, I think, uh George Pickens, I think he got in the second round. I think that's probably right now the the steal. Obviously, it's two weeks into their rookie season, so that'll change. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be the guy to ask there, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Shades and James, who Shades without didn't have his first round, so he didn't have the 1.1, but um, I think he was able still to, to look back and kind of retool Picks up George Pickens, picks up Jahan Dotson, picks up Christian Watson. 
Um, Romeo Dubes is honestly in the fourth round. Looking back on it, if this was redone, that he's probably a, a round higher. So um, he did a really good job. James with Jameson Williams, Garrett Wilson, Ken Walker, Brees Hall just starts to to add some tools to his chest for um, a nice little retool. So I think that was a nice job on both those guys. Um, it hasn't, uh, maybe the, the fruit hasn't been bared quite yet through weeks one and two here. Um, but I think, you know, they've set themselves up to potentially within the next five years become uh, competitive uh, with contending for this league. What a great segue into survivor pool updates. So Shades lost week one. And James lost week two. It's a barn burner going on last night. Unfortunately, there were some blowouts, but uh, I thought James was going to squeak out. John Albers was having a really down week, and unfortunately, the, the stars aligned for James to uh, early exit the survivor pool, unfortunately. And it's funny because last year it was flip-flopped where James was out week one and Shades was out week two. So, yeah, un- unfortunately, that that's what it is. we're at with that. Uh, for high scorers... Uh, Commissioner eked it out on week one by point five points against myself. Jeremiah had a pretty commanding week last week uh, to to secure the high score by one point nine points. Commanding <laughs> week compared to week one. So I I grabbed a few waiver highlights over the off season. There actually really wasn't that many. Even the waivers that ran right after the draft. There was not anybody that uh, like really like bid a bunch on to get their guy. I mean, there was like a ten dollar bid. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on. I know um, probably that steal that week would have been. I think uh, Jeremiah picked up uh, Isaiah Pinchero for the uh, Chiefs. That was me actually. Oh, you picked him up. Yeah, he's probably the only guy that uh, is really anything that's much there. Some other notable waiver wire ads was Cooper Rush was added to Shade's team uh, right after Dak went down. He bid $45, which was a little surprising for a spot start since he's not really competing this year. But... you got to go out and get your guy, though. You know, and Cooper Rush has proven time and time again that when the lights turn on, he's going to be there. And I think, uh, you know, that could be the difference between Shade's uh, coming back and making some noise this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next highest, so he got him for $45. Next highest bid was $21. So he definitely wanted to secure him. Was, uh, were you any, were, were you surprised at all not to see John Atkins and company kind of go after Cooper Rush there, knowing that they don't really have, they, they're running two quarterbacks pretty thin here for the next six yeah, weeks? Yeah, and I, he bid $21. And I think he, I mean, the next highest bid was $6, so if Shades is coming with a $4 bid, he secures them. So you think Shades is maybe playing, trying to play spoiler here and, and really kind of get into the, the John Atkins group? He might head? be just like, hey, I'll, I'll swing him for a draft pick next year. Just mm-hmm. add some, uh, some more to his chest. The next we have Joe Flacco. Actually, was a I might be starting him this week with uh, Trey Lance going down. I got him for $11. He put up like 27 points last week, so... Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's going to be their guy for the next week or two, so especially with a guy who uh, has a decent roster outside of quarterbacks, might need to uh, to make some moves, and maybe Joel Flacco will play a piece in that. Did someone drop Desmond Ritter at some point during the offseason? Some uh, very interesting maneuvering going on this offseason by a couple guys that couldn't, you know... Sleeper app wasn't letting them drop players or add players. We had all sorts of that 
shenanigans. And then um, a guy who probably drafted Desmond Ritter way too high at like the sixth overall pick in the draft decided that a couple weeks later he was just going to flat out cut him when he had three taxi spot roster spots open. So what we decided to do as a commissioner group um, was add him back to said person's roster um, with the penalty of he has to stay on the practice squad or the taxi squad for the entire year. So if for some reason he were to emerge as the starter, he would be ineligible to start games in, in the FTP league this year. And that's the punishment for being a moron. Um <laughs> which I think is a well-deserved punishment. Trade talk. <clears throat> so a little trade recap here. Trades on offseason, I highlighted the bigger ones. Trubisky and Guyton uh, to Lettner. Ben Henderson receives Baker. Looking back on it, Baker seems like a, a great pickup. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're both starting quarterbacks as of today. Who knows what happens <laughs> next week. Um, it's just really, it was really exciting to be able to get Lettner involved in the league. You know, hasn't made a waiver wire transaction, I don't think, uh, hasn't made any trades. So the fact that he's really just swinging deals now is really exciting for where the league's heading. So honestly, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years, but that trade will probably be pretty relevant if I had to guess in two or three years. Uh, next, James secured Robert Tanyan for a 2024 second round pick to Ben. That wasn't to me. That was that was one of my picks that was floating out. I think uh, oh. I think James owned the pick, and that pick is now in uh, um, Hines' hands, I believe. Okay. So, um, kind of shocking. Hines, uh, you know, I think Hines had to make some moves. He was a couple guys over the, the roster spot, and instead of James squeezing him, uh, I think he kind of just gave him, you know, maybe market value. Um, time will tell there. So this is actually an interesting trade. Shades got moved up five spots from 211 to 207, and he got a 2023 third, and he gave away Allen Robinson. So he ended up getting Pickens at 207, which Pickens falling to 207s is crazy, but he ends up getting Pickens, which is a pretty big gap, I think, between him and the next wide receiver. So that was actually a really good five spots to move up. And then it gets a 2023 third, Hines, I believe, got Allen Robinson and the 211 back. Yeah, I think that was honestly a really uh, fair trade both ways. I think Hines is more of a you know guy who's competing for a playoff spot, trying to, at that point in time, win now. Pickens is, I think, maybe overperformed to get that wide receiver two job. And Robinson was kind of a lock at the time this trade was made. So, no, I think it was a pretty fair deal. Um, if anything, I think Hines probably got a, a deal on Allen Robinson at market value. Um, but looking back to today, I mean, it was super fair. So Yeah. Uh, and then the last one was a three-way trade between myself, Ben Lands, and James. I ended up getting Herb Smith and sending um, Singletary and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, James gets Singletary, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and some picks. And then Ben Lands gets Marcus Mariota, which he might be the winner in that whole trade with a, a spot sp- start quarterback. Yeah, it looks like that Buffalo backfield is Josh Allen and then company. And I don't think really any of those guys have a legit chance of emerging as a quality starter. Um, Irv Smith probably should be cut <laughs> after what happened last night. So And Marcus Mariota won the job. I wouldn't call that a blockbuster by any means, but definitely James is loading up on 
picks and young guys again. And, you know, it's like I said, it, it's going to be great for when Cole takes over that ship in 20 years and has just an absolutely loaded roster for him. So there was, uh, I think CD Lamb got moved this offseason for Hawkinson and Wentz, which turned out to be pretty even at this point in time. And I think that's kind of it. Um, I, I feel a lot better with how Brees Hall's performed for giving up the 1.2. Or actually, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I mean, I think it's early uh, yet. For Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I think it's early yet. I don't think there's really uh, any winners, or I think there's just two losers in that trade right now. And then. Panic or patience? Welcome to Panic or Patience, where I throw out some names and Ben's going to tell me. Is he trying to sell them, or is he going to keep them around for a little bit longer? Number one on the list, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I was sold him about six, six, eight months ago. I, don't, I think Saquon's done. I know he had a good week one, but he, I think he's going to be the typical guy that's going to put up some big weeks and then have some really, really, really bad weeks that could lose you games. I don't know if I'd be fully panicked on him because you kind of know what you have in him. Um but I definitely would not be trying to acquire him right now. So it's kind of where I sit with Saquon. What do you think? Yeah, it's one of those things where you probably aren't going to get what you want to get out of him. But if you don't move him now, he's probably going to be on your squad the rest until he retires, yeah. which might be in a year or two. Um, so, yeah, it's probably, you know, you're probably just in a spot where you keep him um, around. The next name on the list is CMC. I don't know. I, I don't think we'll see the CMC of old by any means. Um, do I think he can be a top 10 fantasy running back still for the next couple of years? Probably. I don't, is he going to be the guy that's going to win you weeks anymore at this stage? Potentially. I mean, he had a decent week this week, but it's not. I mean, I, the thing is, is if that guy doesn't put up 25 points, it's kind of a bust week. So, I don't know. I... He's definitely he, he wouldn't be drafted where I drafted him if we were to redraft the league today. So, but I think we all kind of knew that was coming. Yeah, I would have to agree with that one. It's probably just a keep and hold because otherwise you're selling him at a huge discount. Uh, the next one's a really interesting name. I think he lost his job because uh, the guy that took over for him got shot, and now he's back in the driver's seat. But now. Last I saw, it, the guy's already practicing again, so I don't know what his recovery timeline looks like. But where's Antonio Gibson sitting? Um, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'd be pretty panicked from a dynasty standpoint. Um, he's not. I mean, he had two good seasons his first two seasons, but then why is he losing his job to a third round pick in his third year? I don't know. When he's in, I think he'll be relevant. It's just how long is he gonna be in? I think. Um, you know, he had, like I said, I, I'd be panicked on him just because that news is definitely not heartwarming for a dynasty owner that your 24-year-old running back's getting ran out of his job. So I'd probably be looking to, to move on or at least have another uh, another guy in the wings waiting to take over. Next we have Najee. Um, I don't think I'd be panicked on Najee quite yet. It's He's definitely not as... Uh, Firmly solidified as an every down back, and obviously that offense has gotten somewhat of a, a downgrade at quarterback, and obviously that affects the entire offense. 
I don't think they'll be running the offense through him as much, or you know they won't be able to just because teams can really key off the run now. But I wouldn't really be panicked on him quite yet. Yeah, I mean he's he's got high draft capital. He's still still the lead dog in that backfield, so it's probably not a matter of uh, trying to sell him. But I think he's definitely disappointed where you thought he would be coming, you know, from where last year ended coming into this year. I mean, he single-handedly won Jeremiah Fantasy Championship last year. So, I mean, no matter what happens, you kind of got to ride or die with the guy. Uh, Next, this is an interesting one. Uh, I tried to pick him up for a second-round pick as soon as he got hurt last year. Cam Akers. I'm not panicked on him. He's just done. (laughs) There's not, there's nothing to be panicked about because he's done. Like the guy, Daryl Henderson's far from an elite running back, and it's like he's already won that backfield race. So the second they can draft a guy to come in and and be a factor, which will be next year, they're going to like didn't really touch the ball week one at all, and when he did, I think he got negative yards and or fumbled, and then week two he had some touches, but nothing that you would like to see a guy that I think he was picked third round of the startup draft, second round. So I'd be panicked that you know you got to fill that hole, and I think a team like John Albers, you know, if you can get a second, if there's a team that's willing to give you a second round pick or something, it might be time to consider moving on from him. So next we have, I'll put asterisks next to this name, C.D. Lamb, but asterisks the entire Dallas offense. Someone's going to come out ahead, right? Whether that's, I know that uh, Schultz is battling an injury, but usually when these backup quarterbacks come in, they usually tend to find a guy and 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 go to that guy. I don't know if that's going to be C.D. Lamb or I think Brown had a big week last week for him, but... I'd be pretty panicked. That offense already, you know, with losing um, with a losing Mari Cooper, like that offense already had a downgrade, and now you lost your starting quarterback for the next six, eight weeks. I think that whole offense is, you know, you're going to start C.D. Lamb every week, but is he going to be the C.D. Lamb he would be with Dak? Absolutely not. So the next one's an interesting name. Uh, I think, I mean, there's there's positions in the offense for him to to catch the ball, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Detroit Lions. I don't know if I'd be panicked. I would just, I think his ceiling is, has decreased since when he came into the league, right? Like he's going to be a top, he'll be a starting fantasy tight end for the next three or four or five, six years. But I don't think that, you know, he came on really hot. Stafford really targeted him his rookie year and, and really lifted him, and I just I don't think he's going to have anywhere near that production moving forward. So not really panic, just I think he'd be like a little bit bummed if you had him that he's not he, he's just not performing at what you thought he could be. He's not going to be the elite tight end that no. you drafted him as um, at this point. Yeah, definitely. So the last two guys, both on my team, Scary Terry and Trey Lance. Panicked on both of them, honestly. I mean, I know Trey Lance is young, high draft capital, ankle injury that doesn't seem like it's going to be, it's not like an Achilles or, you know, an ACL. It's an ankle, which, yes, that's a big deal, but, like, usually guys can come back from that. The issue is is you've lost another year of development with a team that is definitely wants to win as soon as possible. Like, how long is your rope going to be, right? Like, 
they were willing to let you develop this year with the chance of you know you breaking out or next year being ready to kind of be that guy for them. And now they you've delayed their window a year. And the other thing is, if Jimmy G comes in and produces yet again this year and brings them to the playoffs and further, now it's like, what are you going to do with Trey Lance? And do we have a Jordan Love situation on our hands where they drafted him to be the future, but you have a guy that's just proving. And I'm not saying Jimmy G's Aaron Rodgers by any stretch of the imagination, but the longer that you aren't starting, the more opportunity there is that you don't get a chance with that team. At this point, if I were to sell them, it'd be a discount. With where my team's positioned, I think I need to go out and try to find some other quarterback to fill that position, but it might not be until who's contending who's not, right? Because yeah. the only guys that we know for sure aren't contending are James and Fades, most likely. They're, they'd be looking for draft capital, but or Trey Lance, you know, next year. But other than them, it's like, I don't know who's a good trade partner. So so it's like, <laughs> it's difficult to try to find uh, that sweet spot for, for selling a guy that's not gonna play for a year. Yeah, I think the crazy thing there is how hot the quarterback market was in our league last year. Like guys, I think learned quickly that in order to be successful, you gotta have some some studs in the, Q, in the, in the QB position. At the end of the last year, it was nuts. I think Derek Carr went for two first round picks and um, obviously there was the Mahomes and Lamar deals that had multiple first round picks and assets. It's like, who's going, who's got a guy that's not contending that is of, of those caliber. It, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who gets kind of hogtied and has to make a move down the stretch to, to stay relevant. Just really touching quick on Scary Terry. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's not a bad player. I just, He's not emerging as a true wide receiver one in fantasy, and I think that's kind of what the hope was for him, especially going into last year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he gets the big contract. I was thinking, oh, he's a lock. He's going to, you know, I don't have to throw him the ball a ton. You know, he only, he's got 90% snap share. He's out on the field every single play, but he's only got four targets and eight targets. But he made the most of the, his eight targets last game, uh, four receptions, 75 yards. Instead of the most of it, he only caught half his targets. Trying to talk yourself into to being comfortable with I'm, scary Terry. Over I'm okay. there. seeing as he's my like wide receiver three or four. I'm okay with it. Okay. Weekly matchups. And now we're on to matchups. So first matchup we're gonna go over is John Albers and James. Ooh, exciting. Uh, I I mean, best of luck to both of you. Um, I think that division, you know, with all due respect to everybody, that division is, is the is the weak division. I don't think anyone has a chance of, of keeping up with Hines. And, I, and to be honest with you, I don't think Hines has a uh, powerhouse team. I think he has a really solid team and a lot of potential, but... Um, you know, I think this this matchup this week could really determine that who finishes last this season. I think that you know, with all due respect to both those guys, I, I, James has built draft capital to have his way out of it. If Herbert doesn't play, I mean, John's team is is mediocre at very best. Next matchup we have is myself and Ben Lands. You know, I think Ben Lands made some moves last offseason to keep him in that uh, playoff contending spot. You know, bringing in a guy like Marcus Mariota after losing Big Ben. Got some uphill battle, as much as I don't like to admit this, outside of Skeeter's quarterback room. Like, 
he's got some some good guys that he was able to draft later on in the draft that have panned out for him. But yeah, I'd say a pretty heavy favorite. Um, you know, Skeeter's way here, but you never know what can happen uh, in any given Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big matchup for Lance to compete. If he loses this and doesn't get a high score win, he's starting off with a one and five uh, record, which is not great. So it's it'll be a big matchup for him. Next matchup we have is uh, Halverson and the Commissioner. Um, I'll take the Commissioner's team by a bajillion this week over Halverson. Stafford hasn't been off to a great start. Brady is Brady. He's going to do all right. Outside of maybe Michael Thomas, who's had a hot start. There's no... Dalvin Cook's not been playing well. Aaron Jones has been all right, obviously. Last week was good. Hopefully we can get some of my guys back that got injured after last week and really, really blow them out of the water. Here's the game plan. It's the room. That's the word from the locker room. It's funny because looking at uh, Halverson's team, his team's actually really stacked. If you were to have this team in a redraft league, I think you'd be extremely happy with Stafford, Dalvin, Aaron Jones... DK, Michael Thomas, Hunter Henry, David Montgomery, Mike Williams, who's had a really good year, Marquise Brown, and Tom Brady. So I think I think his team's one of those teams that could pop off every once in a while for a win and surprise somebody. So I think you have to, you know, put up a lot of points to to get over that. Uh, next we have John Atkins and Shades. Not much to talk about here. Uh Atkins and company by by a couple hundred thousand, I think, is probably the, the Vegas odds on this one. Um, I will say Shades, uh, Trevor Lawrence, has been playing much better this year, which a guy who is looking to, to build for the future, that's got to be exciting out of his camp. But outside of that, I mean, they're just, they're just too young to really be able to to really do much this year, which, again, they can they can develop and be, be good, but... Gibson, Swift, and uh, Mixon. I mean, that three-headed monster, as long as Gibson is the guy and while his other competition has been shot, whether or not he put the head out on him or not, um, that's going to be a very tough to battle. And then you throw in Cup and Tyreek. Like, that's a team that, you know, once they get Dak back healthy, can be a contender again, just like last year. Uh, One big surprise on Shade's team is Curtis Samuel. He's actually been doing extremely well early on here uh, for the Washington Commanders. He might be an asset he looks to, to trade and try to add some more draft capital. But he's also only 26 years old. He's just been hurt the last two years. So Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Shades has a lot of directions he can go. The other thing is, is you know, as I think guys are learning quick. Like, draft capital is great, but it's going to take those offensive players more often than not a year or two in the league to really be fantasy relevant. And then by that time, it's really tough to project where the rest of your team is going to be. So I think he's made some good moves. Like I said, this offseason, he, he drafted well. Um, that will help. I know he's got a lot of picks next year, so hopefully after this year he can really add and, and feel that fire. So matchup number five, we have Mets and Jeremiah. Mets is at this weird point where he's got an aging roster that could, kind of like Halverson, I'd say, like at any point in time, those guys can put up big weeks. I mean, Derrick Henry is going to still get his every now and then. It's not going to be every week like week like years past, but he can have big weeks. I think Jeremiah, from a consistently standpoint, you know, you're gonna you're gonna bet on that roster more often than not um, over the Mets roster. I'd say he's a pretty heavy favorite this week. And then the matchup of the week, we have Lentner and Hines. 
And the reason I picked this as the matchup of the week is that these guys are both 3-1. and one. They're in the same division. They both have a loss because they did not hit the highest score. So, you know, the other two guys in their division, John Albers and James, those are kind of easier wins, right? So they come out to a hot start, both at 3-1, and one, playing against those guys. Um, so I think this is really going to be like a, who wants to take this division home. Yeah, I mean, this is huge if, if one of them can win and get the high score and really set them, you know, three or four games up on the rest of their division. It's going to be a huge week for those two. If I had to pick a winner today, I'm going to go with Heinz's team. I know Connors got banged up last week, might might not be playing. But, you know, when you look at just a top-end talent, you know, Travis Etienne is kind of the running back over on Lettner's team. And it seems like James, Robin, James Robinson's Achilles injury or not is going to get his as the weeks go on. So that's going to cut into a ton of that performance where, you know, there's not a lot of competition for the Barclays and the Connors of the world to be able to lift you up on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Lettner's team is really solid, but there's just a little bit of depth issues at the bottom of his roster. He also had Amonra go off for like 40 points last week. Can he keep up that kind of production, or is that just a fluke? It can be dicey every once in a while. Power Rankings. And it's time for the... Power, power, power rankings brought to you by David Henderson. I just want to pop in here the way you got these, Skeeter, because I I don't personally agree with some of them, but we can definitely dive into that. Um, but go ahead and, and, and tell the, you know, we Skeeter wants to give you an unbiased opinion. I am here to definitely give you a biased opinion. So go ahead, yeah, I, I just uh, went to Dynasty Ranker, and I put it in everyone's teams, came out with the overall rank, which is your all your draft assets and everything added to your current roster, and then your your starter-like ranking. And so what I did was, like, I want I care more about starters than your, your draft assets. We had a formula to get to a ranking, and coming in at number 12 is John Elbers. Yeah, I think, um, you know... It's a dynasty league, right? So we do need to take in a, in factor draft capital, age, all of that's important. I think the other thing we got to talk about too, though, Skeeter, is like, who are you scared to face this year, right? Like when we're talking power rankings, like when ESPN gives out power rankings of NFL teams, they're not saying, well, you know, Seattle's got 16 picks over the next three years. We're going to give them three spots up. As much as it's important to acknowledge the the future of the league, I think it's it's almost a disservice to the guys that the Minnesota Vikings, the John Albers of the league. Like you're ranking them 12. I don't think that's super fair in the regards that we got to talk about this year and who we're scared to play. And like, yeah, I'm not. No offense to John's team, I'm not scared to play him, but there's other guys I would pick to have to go up against. Yeah, and John's overall team ranking is ninth. His best starting lineup ranking is tenth. So he's tenth best starting rank about ranking out of twelve. So I think, just based on the age of his team, how some of his players are trending, it kind of put him in this position. It hurts him that he doesn't have a first round pick next. Actually, next year 
he only has a second and two fourth round picks. So, I mean, there's something to be said to that, and I think that's what puts him here. That's fair. I mean, like I said, it, the future does matter. And we can I, talk about John at 12. That I'm fine with that. You know, I think he's made some good moves this offseason. Sky Moore, uh, Traylon Traylon Burks, um, both going to be guys that hopefully come in and make a difference. There's no, there's no questioning. He's probably got one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the league, and in a league with this many flex positions, like wide receivers are where you're going to make your hay. And I think you look at the teams that are at the top. It comes down to who are their quarterbacks and who are their wide receivers, and can they fill the running back hole? Right? Because you only need to start two running backs. If I'm John here, looking into what I can do this season, obviously it's week two. Way too early to really just toss the towel in completely, but you know I'm definitely going to be looking to add some young talent and or draft picks to to reload this team for the future years. Next at number eleven we have Mets. His overall ranking is twelve. His current starting ranking is seven. So this one I think just with the amount of draft capital he has, it really brings him down, but. Again, maybe he should be moved up a couple spots just based on that seven current ranking. Yeah, on my rankings, like I'm honestly probably putting James here. Mets, like I said, he's at. There's no doubt he has an aging roster, and this is all taken off of keep trade cut. We all know probably values age a little bit too much. I think going into this year, uh, Brees Hall was like running back two and. Javante Williams is running back three and it's like okay guys like I get they're young they have opportunity but like you're telling me that those are two of the top three running backs you want no I want Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara I'm I'm saying Mets deserves a little bit higher than 11 um, but to touch on Mets's team because this is where he's at I'm choosing a lot of teams over Mets to if if my season's on the line to go up against like his team's scary in the fact that when healthy, age aside, like they could they could go off on any given week. He's got Devontae Adams, he's got Kamara, he's got Aaron Rodgers, he's got, you know, Derrick Henry. Really, really solid team, I think, personally. At number ten, we have Ben Lands. Tenth overall, eighth current. His team is actually a similar to Metz's team in that similar amount of assets um, and similar amount of of guys that could hurt you. Eight to 10 spot is probably pretty fair to put Ben Lands in. I think he's on that edge of decision time as the season goes on. Like Kyler Murray, really, really solid fantasy quarterback. And then it's Davis Mills or Marcus Marriott. Like you have to make a decision of, are we gonna compete this year? And if so, like, you know, you have an aging Zeke, but you have Tony Pollard. Like, are we going to kind of go for a reload method of unloading, you know, Zeke Elliott's down the stretch, the guys that are gonna be in kind of the end of their careers and see, all right, what can we do? Maybe Adam Thielen gets unloaded. It's gonna be interesting to see what, I, I think not only Ben Lands, but these next three or four teams that we talk about, what they're gonna do the rest of this year to prepare themselves for next year. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, you could, if you're in this spot, you could go both ways. You could say, screw it, put it all in. And we've seen that be successful, might I add. I mean, you look at the guys last year that finished in the top three. Jeremiah, he went all, he went out and got Lamar Jackson for multiple first, went all in, worked out, and now he's kind of playing with house money. And, you know, guys like me that unloaded the wagon to get the Patrick Mahomes, like, it. I think... Any one of these guys that we speak about is that type of move away from being a true contender this year, or are they going to play it the other way, the way that Shades and James have played it, and say, 
this isn't where I want to compete. I want to compete in a couple of years and kind of reload. It'll be interesting to see what they do. So next at number nine, I think this is a, a good spot for Lentner. He's overall eighth, um, current ranking ninth. Um, kind of brings him right into that, to the same conversation. Yep, I think that's super fair spot to put Lettner right now. He holds, I think, all of his own draft picks for the next three years. Um, like we talked about, he's got you know some some younger wide receivers he can build around. He's got Kenny Pickett, who's going to eventually be hopefully a long term starter for him. Like I think he's in that spot where you know he's got to make that same decision that Ben Lance is going to have to make this year, where they're. They're on the fringe of Nick Chubb has a good year and Leonard Fournette has a good year. Like you're on the fringe of being a contender, or are you gonna go the other direction and maybe unload one of those two guys who are aging and reload for next year? So it'll, if I had to guess, Lettner's not gonna do anything, and this is gonna be his lineup for the rest of the year. But I, I could be wrong there. Yeah, I think it's interesting because he does have a few aging pieces at running back that are still very valuable, and so if he if he doesn't want to make that, you know make it to the playoffs or isn't contending in a couple weeks um what he does with those guys or or nothing like you said because he doesn't like to trade next we have halverson overall ranking 11 but current ranking of six he should probably moved up a little yeah bit, i'm gonna this is where i'll step in and say halverson needs to go up and this is where we need to talk about james or shades you just said it before we even talked about this. Like, if you were doing a redraft league this year, like, you'd be super happy with Alverson's lineup. Yeah, you know what? Let's just, off the cuff, number eight, we're going to put James. I think that's a fair spot. Draft capital is looking great for him. This year, you know, I think James would be the first to admit he's he's got to do more of what he did last year, and I will give him credit, like, he adopted that this is going to be a long haul for him, but there's no doubt that I think even the teams at the top of this power rankings are going to have to make that move at some point. He just chose to make it earlier than anyone else. And can I just say that he's got the third overall highest value worth of, of players on his team, and that comes down to he's got three firsts next year, Three first the following year and two seconds the 2024 year. And he's got Brees Hall and... And, and he has Jameson Williams, yeah. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. Now, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, those guys are easily replaceable when you have three first round picks to play with. Easily replaceable, sure. But easily replaceable through the draft from what we've seen historically... Maybe not. Like, I think at some point these guys are going to have to unload those picks to get quarterbacks. Like, obviously, I think I'd have a different strategy than most here, but look at the quarterbacks that were taken when we started up just two years ago. Are any of those guys really relevant yet two years later? Maybe Trevor Lawrence this year. Maybe. It'll be interesting. He's got all the assets in the world, though. But what, So once he gets that nucleus, now he can easily flip those picks to go out and get Derek Carr, who he already had, or a, you know... Some of those, you know, what I would say top 20 quarterbacks, like those are where you're going to have to use those picks, in my opinion, to, to become competitive. Yeah, definitely. I think you bring up an interesting point, too, around players' values fluctuate all the time. Yep. What do value, What do picks values you? Nothing. Yep. They stay the, if you haven't picked anyone yet, they stay, they stay the exact same. So what you're able to do is if you're able to hoard some of those picks, you're saying, I don't want to make bets. I don't want to, you know, bet on any of these players. I just want to know what I have at, for value. Yep. I'm going to buy the bond. 
and I'm gonna let someone else buy the stocks. Yep, and I think that's, you know, like I said, James did it right. He didn't draft a quarterback this year. He's building that nucleus, and it'll be scary once that nucleus emerges, and now he's got the weapons to go out and get those those quarterbacks or whomever, you know, the missing pieces. I think, I think James, in my mind, honestly, is a lot closer than Shades, I think, and this will segue us into the next spot here of Shades, where Shades has got way more picks next year, but he doesn't have that core nucleus yet. So I'd say he's at least one year, you know, maybe, and it depends on how he drafts, if he trades, all of that's going to play a factor. But I think Shades is maybe just one step behind where James is right now in that rebuild process. At number seven, I'm going to bump Helverson again up one more. So at number seven, let's do Shades. Uh, first overall for value of his team, but his current team is number 12. And I think it is a very similar conversation to James's team. I want to make sure the guys are understanding the value of the draft capital here. Each first round pick right now for Shades, just because he's got the 12th pick team, it's ranking it very high because it's 5,100 points is the equivalent of a Jalen Waddle, Tua, uh, Michael Pittman. Like, that's it's basically saying all of these picks are going to hit and be, you know, obviously some first round picks, Jamar Chase, he's probably ranked 8,000 points, but it's, it's really valuing that you're going to hit on these picks. And I think that's one thing that we have to stress in this is like, like you said, that value's there until the pick's made, and now it's tied to a player again. Shades has got a, a – he drafted really well with the picks he did have this year, but it'll be – got 10 picks next year total. You only have 25 roster spots and five taxi squad spots. It'll be interesting to see how he uses all of those. So this is interesting. Between these two guys, James and, and Shades, they have eight first-round picks. So they have eight of the 12 first-round picks next year. The thing with Shades, though, is that he most likely has two of the top three. That's fair. So Does he, though? Who, whose picks does he own? He has his and James. Okay. So he most likely has the two of the top three. I don't know who owns Albers, though, actually, because Albers isn't. I think James does. I think Albers okay. and James made a swap okay. from this year to next. You, like you said, that is a, a good, uh, I think, analysis of his team versus of James's, and I think those guys are, you know, just from draft cap alone, deserve to be up the power rankings a little bit. Yeah. Six. Six Halverson. with Halverson. Um, super fair spot. We've talked about Halverson's team probably probably more than he's looked at it this year. Um, he's aging. Like, there's no if ands, or buts. He's got his picks, which is fine, but he's got to make a decision here. And in, in what we've talked about is the best division. I don't think there's a ton of argument there um, of – you know, he's got to run that gauntlet of that division another time. Is he going to make the playoffs? And if he's not going to make the playoffs, is he going to be disciplined to make moves to set him up? Because, you know, there's guys out there, <clears throat> Skeeter, that would take a, a Tom Brady or a Matt Stafford right now. Oh, definitely. And it's like, you know, what what's that worth? You know, he's he's got to make a decision of, you know, when's it time to start looking at the future? Because um, his team is probably the oldest team in the league overall. Number five, we have Hines. He's in a weak division. That helps. He's very likely to make the playoffs, I'd say. I'd say he's probably, I wouldn't say a sure thing, but I, I like his chances of making the playoffs in that division. Like you said, if he can beat Lettner and, and win a median point this week, that's going to set him up for a really good spot for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's fifth in team total. He's fifth in best starting lineup. 
He's got the quarterback room to get him there. He's got a, a de- He's actually got the number one running back room in the league. Um, I think that's strictly volume. He's got he's got four or five guys that are potential RB ones on their team, which is way more than I think the rest of the league has. He's got a very balanced lineup, and that's why I think he's got a really good chance of making the playoffs. He's deep. He's got, you know, his bench consists of Marcus Valdez-Scantley, DJ Chark, um, you know. Chris Olave. Yeah, like, you got it. You have a really solid bench, which as, you know, the year goes on, I think that teams are going to get beat up, and, and that's one thing that will keep him relevant for the whole season. At number four here, John Atkins' team. He's sixth overall in, in team totals. He's three overall in his current uh, roster ranking. He's a scary guy to go up against. Yeah, like I said, as long as Gibson has that starting role, I think he is a contender. I think the only thing that could derail John Atkins' team, and, and strictly this is a depth thing, like when you look outside, of, if you had to take Antonio Gibson out of your lineup because that job's lost, Wandale Robinson, Russell Gage, OBJ, who's, you know, I think he lacks just maybe a little bit of depth. Dak being hurt, obviously, huge blow to him as well. Yeah, definitely. With the Dak going down, I think that is a, a huge detriment. Um, having to kind of spot start Mac Jones, which isn't, I'm sure, super fun. And then, like you said, you know, he's probably going to be starting Naheem Hines on a semi regular basis, you know, during bye weeks and stuff. So, like, is that the guy you want to be starting at your death pick? Maybe not. It's still a super solid lineup. At number three, we have Jeremiah. So, he's fourth overall. Current ranking is also number four. Scary team to go up against. He was the number one scorer last week. I mean, I think the thing that we need to talk about Jeremiah is just how scary he is at the quarterback spot. Like, he's first at the quarterback spot by potentially 2x of the next guy. Like, Josh Allen isn't going anywhere anytime soon. That guy's a fullback. He's not going to get injured. Lamar Jackson, who's proven, you know, he put up 40-some points last week. Like, he's going to be a guy. And then you're telling me that he's now going to have Jimmy Garoppolo to, to play for the rest of this season, for sure. Deshaun Watson's going to be coming back for the fantasy playoffs. Who knows if who knows if he even cracks the lineup like that's he's got an embarrassment of riches at that spot you go down his lineup i think he is maybe top three one of the deeper overall when it comes to he's got james robinson um a deeper spot he's got the chase claypools and and the chris godwins when he gets back like he's got a lot of things going for him obviously he's lacking on draft capital but he could easily flip one of those three top three quarterbacks and now be number one in draft capital in the blink of an eye since he's contending he's probably not why would he want to flip one of those guys to a contender too right like you're just letting like giving somebody more ammo to throw back at you so yeah it'll be interesting he's got a he doesn't have to do anything if Deshaun Watson comes out week 12 and puts up 35 fantasy points like what do you do are you three really good quarterbacks and you're gonna be in charge of living with yourself every week because you know you're not gonna pick the right two that like you know what I mean like you're almost better off selling one just so you don't have to put yourself through that pain but I think the 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 point here is all three of those guys are young quarterbacks too relative so it's like you can still flip those to a non-contender and and give them a really good nucleus to build around at number two, the commissioner, he's got seventh best overall team total, but the number one starting lineup. Yeah, you said it. You don't have a ton of draft capital, but you you know you got Mahomes, 
a little thin at between Winston and Mayfield, maybe, but I don't. Winston might be coming out and looking good. I think everyone kind of maybe lacks depth in this league, right? Like we're talking about twenty-five man rosters with twelve teams. Obviously, I don't love my running back room. I think that's pretty well known. Hopefully, Chris McCaffrey can turn it around, and I think that's going to be the difference on whether or not I can be a contender. Is if if that side goes up, I'd argue with anyone that I have the best wide receiver room. I know that you'd probably argue for yourself, but I would take my wide receivers over anyone. So the good news is for everybody that's listening, I still have my first round pick in 2025. And then a couple of fourth rounds in 2024 to deal around. So it'll be a fun uh, fun stretch here to see how I can trade those. And at number one is my team. Uh, so I'm second overall team total, second best starting lineup. Honestly, we've talked about it a bunch. It's the quarterback room for me. I'm also... And the running back room. Yeah, I think the running back room is I have at least three guys. If you only need to start two, then I, I'm not in like the worst spot ever. So during bi-week fill-ins, hopefully it's not the worst. Yeah, I think the writing's on the wall. I think the thing that you're going to have going against you this year is that looking for a high-end quarterback, I think that's pretty well-known. But it's also well-known around the league that you're cheap. Who are you going to give up? How much are you going to pay to get that quarterback? And who's going to give them to you? That's the other thing is like of the teams that are clearly non-competing, there might be one or two quarterbacks that would be enticing. But I think until weeks four, five, six roll around and, and league is kind of set a little bit deeper that you might not have the option. And, and how well can you pace until you can get that option? Well, boys, updating you as the season goes along. Um, any questions, please uh, email them into the commissioner's assistant at davyhenderson at gmail.com. We'll make sure to bring those up on the next podcast. Thanks, boys. Peace. Skeeter Henderson Production. Thanks, boys. <laughs>